0: Hello and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Cartwright, joined as always by my co-host, John Carey. And we are here today to talk to you about all of the Seattle sports, every single one of them except the Sounders, because you know we don't watch soccer. <laughs> <laughs> don't um, hate us, we're trying. <laughs> we do what we can. We're just getting into hockey. Um we have had a couple requests from people about getting some stuff on the pod. So today we are going to address some questions about the Mariners and their uh, Silver Slugger Potential Awards and um, we're also going to talk a little Seahawks, a little U-Dub and uh, we're going to touch on the Kraken and anything else that John wants to say
1: mm, It's so wide and varied, the possibilities
0: <laughs> Oh, I thought you, you looked like you had something to say, alright <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wide and varied but not, not, but not currently. <laughs> I'm not ready
0: <laughs> Well with that, here's a little Coyote picnic for y'all Okay, John, so I had a buddy texted a group chat, and he said, Hey, why are the Mariners in the Team Silver Slugger Final Four for the the American League right now? Oh, boy. If you didn't know, Major League Baseball is doing—they've added two Silver Slugger awards in the last two years. Last year, they added one for the utility player. And I believe Brandon Drury won it for the AL, um, or maybe I'm wrong and he won it for the NL, but that's the name that's popping into my head right now. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Could be other one. Um, and this year, they've added Team Silver Slugger Awards. So the four teams for the American League that, that are in the finals are the Mariners, the Rays, the Rangers, and the Astros.
1: Now, some of those teams are better at scoring runs than others.
0: That is, in fact, true. Um, And I think my friend's right. Why the heck are the Mariners in that conversation? Um, We've been trying to figure out for the last 20 minutes what's been going on with that. Um, My main thought is it feels like when you look at the top offensive teams in Major League Baseball, the Mariners rank like 12th. It's like, like their OPS. Let me hold on. Let me pull up their OPS real quick. I know their average is twenty first. They had the twenty first best average in the MLB. Yeah, I think you said they had like the twenty
1: third OPS.
0: Yeah. Um, well, OPS is they have the sixteenth. So okay. you know,
1: so just below average.
0: <laughs> just below. Yeah. Right at average. Um,
1: and if there's one thing America loves doing, it's giving awards to teams that finish in the middle.
0: <laughs> um. So, yeah, when you're looking at these numbers, average, obviously, they're awful, but typical baseball metrics don't include average in terms of the total total offensive production anymore. Um, OPS is kind of the common answer right now in terms of what the general populace uses to discuss how good a player is. If you have a 700 Not OPS... Me. I'm old-fashioned, baby. Yeah, John lives in the 60s. Give me average and give me home runs, and that is literally everything I need. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so OPS is on base plus slugging. And generally, if you're at 700 as a player, you are an average player. You're like a replacement level. If you're above 700, you're good. You should probably be playing in the major leagues. If you're below that, you're struggling, kind of like Cooper Hummel, Tommy Lastella, AJ Pollock, all these people that are not on the team anymore. <laughs>
1: And obviously that would correlate to a team average as well. Yeah, obviously um,
0: it correlate to a team average, team more home runs, all those kinds of things, exactly.
1: Yeah, so we're going to get into the who's and the why's, but before we do, I just have to say, I love, 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 love that the MLB is giving out an AL and NL Silver Slugger award for a team because that's just so great because you think, wait a second, awards for teams that are good at hitting, isn't that like... Playoff victories? <laughs> um, isn't that how teams work? Um, and the answer is yes. Um, but this way we can give a trophy to a team that was really good at hitting and didn't really think about pitching or anything like that. Um, and they can still be awarded, which I just think is hilarious. It's like for an individual, it makes sense. You get stuck on a crappy team. It's nice to be able to get a trophy for how good you did. But if you're an elite silver slugging team, but... You're not having success in the playoff. That just seems like more of a you problem, you know? Like, why, why, why do you get an award for that?
0: Yeah. That's, that's a whole can of worms of like, hey, participation trophies aren't very nice. We, we should give them to the people who actually deserve them.
1: Part- participation trophies are great for like middle school soccer games, <laughs> you know? Let's keep these kids' confidence up. But these are like professional baseball players. Do you really think if the Mariners, and they're not going to win, we'll talk about this, but even if they did win, the silver slugger award from the NL or AL. Do you think anybody would be excited? Would you be excited? Do you think any of the players would be excited? Who cares about this?
0: No, nobody cares. Um, it would be a great PR campaign for the Mariners if they did win this because it would help you know, deter everybody from the Jerry Depoto things that he said at the end of the <laughs> season. Um, it's like,
1: no, we are good enough. Yeah. Fif- <laughs> 54%. <laughs> You think the Rangers would care? They're like, "Oh, guys, put that trophy down. <laughs> we won the Silver Slugger Award for the AL."
0: I think I think the Rangers would care. It kind of turned into like the Houston thing, where like they're like, "Oh, we won the World Series, so we don't care what you have to say anymore." It's like, "Oh, we we won the Silver Slugger. Our team has the best yeah. offense." Well, the Astros would say you. that again
1: if they won the Silver Slugger. They're like, "No, nah, we won the real champion." That's true. That's true. Slugging.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Like I was saying, OPS is a big stat that people use. The other big stat that people use in terms of hitting is WRC+. So I pulled this from Fangraphs, and the Mariners do have the sixth highest WRC+. How? I, I couldn't tell you.
1: So what baffles me about this, when we're looking at these teams, the Rangers, the Astros, the Rays, all three teams, their strength are their bats.
0: Also, never mind, I lied. I had something clicked wrong. They have the ninth best WRC+. <laughs> that
1: makes more sense. That makes more sense. But all those teams succeed because of their bats and their pitching gets them by as best as they can. The Mariners, their strength is their pitching. We all know this. We've all seen it all year. That If we were a silver slugging finalist team, we would have made the playoffs because our pitching is so good. It doesn't make sense that we're here. This is. It doesn't make sense. I'm confused.
0: Yeah, let me read to you the American League team's the, the we're going to go the American League teams that are ahead of us in WRC+. Okay. We've got the Tampa Bay Rays. They're sitting at second. They had a WRC+, of 118. That means their team was 18% better than the average team at scoring offense, basically.
1: Makes sense. They are very um, good, up and down the roster.
0: Next up at four, the Texas Rangers, WRC+, of 114. Uh, at five, we have the Astros. At 6, we have Minnesota. Minnesota is a little sneaky, sneaking on there. Yeah, their pitching was garbage. Pitching was garbage. but, they, did, was garbage, they, but they, they hit balls. Yeah, they were. They made the playoffs. They had a WRC Plus of 109. Two points below them uh, at 8 and 9 are Toronto and Seattle with a WRC Plus of 107.
1: So there are two other AL teams above the Mariners in WRC Plus. And if they're 13th in OPS, you'd think they're also probably those same teams are above them in OPS. Mm-hmm. What the heck are we doing with the finals?
0: Yeah, no, I I don't know.
1: Now, one thing that you brought up that was very interesting, and I wasn't necessarily considering, is that the Mariners have three finalists for the individual Silver Slugger Awards. That's Cal, who's currently leading the pack at catcher, um, JJ, JP, 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 (laughs) JJ Crawford, everyone's favorite player. Okay, the season's been over for a couple weeks now. He got to get.
0: Jones break. checked out.
1: <laughs> listen to a lot of the Reddit podcast. Um JP who is actually leading at shortstop, which is crazy because Did
0: Cor- you look that up? Yeah. Wow.
1: Corey Seager is behind him, which is kind of hilarious.
0: I think the only reason he's behind him is cuz he didn't play, play enough games, yeah. but yeah. It is I, just like, oh yeah. Good thing we have
1: JP and not Corey Seager. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd score way less runs. I I love JP, but um and then Julio is in the mix for the outfield. There's a lot of guys there. Yeah. He's, not, he's not up top. But um, So when you look at that, you're like, oh, okay, we've got two guys that look like they might win silver slugging awards. It makes sense. But the whole point of this award is that it's a team award. So if we're – you just said it. If we're the, at best, like sixth best AL team at scoring runs, how can we possibly be a top four finalist for the silver slugger? I don't get it.
0: I think the Mariners did give – the, I think it's the Louisville slugger like company probably oh, gave them some money to put them in the top four good, so that they could good. get a good little PR Jerry, campaign. Jerry
1: DePoto, personal check.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Cause to be honest, yeah, it, it, it makes no sense. That's, that's the, the baseline is it doesn't make any sense that we would be in the top four in hitting as a team. This
1: is what the people come to.
0: You come to us with questions and we say to you, we also
1: have questions. <laughs> if you want answers, look elsewhere. Um, yeah, well, that's great. Good for, good for JP. Good for Cal. I hope they bring it in. You and I were arguing about Cal. Props to Cal. I thought he was hitting like 210 with 24 home runs and he's hitting 230 with 30 home runs. So tip my hat to Big Dumper himself. Yeah. Um, but as a team, the last thing I want is them getting accolades for their hitting because it's not deserved and it sets a bad precedent, which is that the main problem this team has doesn't need to be solved when it certainly does.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Um, who do you think is going to win the Silver Slugger Award for the teams or for the AL? Out of those four that I that yeah, I gave you,
1: it it should be it should be uh, Texas. Yeah, I agree. I think it will be for a couple of reasons. One, honestly, they probably just were the best hitting team, especially in the regular season. Their pitching was so bad. They still won a ton of games.
0: The they won the World way, Series. <laughs> yeah,
1: the only way they did that was by scoring a lot of runs. Their pitching actually was better in the playoff than I think anybody would have expected. But yeah. they were still putting up runs. Seager was awesome. Garcia was awesome. Um, Simeon was great. Yeah, we didn't say anything, but props props to the Texas Rangers, their first ever World Series win, representing the AL West. I wish it was us, but...
0: We are now the last team in the AL West to... to-
1: yeah, I was surprised though. The I, they threw up that graphic. There are like seven other MLB teams that have never won a pennant, which does, you know, makes me feel a little warm and fuzzy inside. You yeah. Know, I just don't want to be last. I think, I think we'll beat the Milwaukee Brewers. I think we'll do it. Uh, <laughs> if we're cheap, then we they, can dream. Are, they are extra cheap. Um, so yeah, good for the Rangers. That was good to see. Sorry to see the Diamondbacks go down, but oh my God. Thank God it wasn't Houston. <laughs> Whew, that would have been tough. Um, yeah, I, that's that's all I've got on the Mariners. Anything you want to say there?
0: Um No, I think I think it's good to note that I think Cal has a chance to win the Silver Slugger award. For Adley has- Rushman had 20 home runs and a average that was 45 points better with an OPS that was also 45 points better yes but Cal um, had 10 more home runs Cal had 10 more home runs so it's going to be a tight race between them I think the other side of that is Adley had 92 walks to 101 strikeouts and Cal had 52 walks to 158 strikeouts <laughs> so statistically those two don't really compare I think Adley's kind of got that one in the bag
1: yeah but Adley is such a stud dude that guy's gonna win like yeah eight silver sluggers why don't we give it give, give it, it to Cal yeah, yeah. When he, this might be his only shot at it um <laughs> Yeah, no, I think he's got a real chance. What's so interesting, some of these awards, it's called the Silver Slugger Award. How much do they look at slugging compared to just hitting in general? Yeah. Kind of tricky. You'd kind of hope those things would be more obvious. But um, when it comes to slugging, Cal is the best catcher in the AL. Yeah. Um, When it comes to hitting, he is not. So do with that what you will. That's... An obvious fact from John Kerry. You're welcome.
0: Um I I don't think Julio's gonna win. It, it's nice to be a finalist, but I don't no, think Julio's no. got it. He's not even um, in the top five. JP, I like the argument that you made. Like he was I think in terms of stats, probably the the second best behind Seeger, but because he played more, there's a chance that he, he wins that award.
1: Yeah, he was he was a real consistent player for us. Corey obviously missed a couple months of time. Yeah. Um, he's not the player Corey is average they might be pretty close jp might even be a little higher slugging is is night and day Corey's a real a real threat yeah we know that jp just isn't the same but yeah he was an iron man and and i love him dearly once again though maybe one of the two i really don't want two silver sluggers on the mariners for you know management to point to and say hey
0: we're good (laughs) look at all
1: what a a good 26 yankees
0: out here we don't (laughs) we don't need more offense um, The last thing I want to say is this Team Silver Slugger award You can vote on it um, But don't Do better things with your life Go on a fucking walk Talk yeah, to your children yeah. Call your mom
1: God damn is a Team Silver Slugger idea stupid
0: Yeah you have to make an account for that Screw it Don't do that They
1: don't deserve your participation Much like the American Congress <laughs> They do not deserve your participation Don't vote Stay home
0: I'm kidding Don't do that Voting's important um but yeah, that was a nice John was saying we weren't gonna last an hour today. It's gonna be like an hour and twenty five minutes. God damn it. <laughs> um Moving on. We, let's we're, let's go. We're out. We're done with them. We're moving on to football. A real
1: sport where we don't <laughs> get out
0: wussy team awards. We just let the top Fifty percent of all teams get to the playoffs.
1: So yeah, we like sports where the best players get their ACLs torn left and right <laughs> every single week. I want all backup quarterbacks by week seventeen.
0: That's all I'm looking for, man. That's that's I want. I mean, Geno Smith's basically a backup quarterback with the way that he's been playing.
1: <laughs> oh well, yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're Sorry. starting with
0: you, Okay. Yes, I will. Bring it back around, talking about good quarterback play. Yes.
1: Uh, Uh, UW last week, 42-33 win over the Stanford Cardinal. Yes. Um, An interesting game. Uh, We were talking before. It's almost like the inverse of the Arizona State game, where this time our offense played really well while our defense did not. And while the Arizona State game was very stressful, basically from start to finish, even though Stanford tied the game several times, I was never particularly worried. I felt pretty good this whole time. They never took the lead. They tied a couple times, and we always took the lead back. Um, looks closer on paper than I think it actually was. And while there were still certainly concerning signs, particularly from the defense, um, it was nice to see Penix and Polk and Adunze get the offense back on the wheels and uh, and roll.
0: Yeah. Um, what no- wasn't
1: it? Oh, my God, I just realized. 42 were we calling out that Stanford had given up 42 points? Oh, my God. To like yeah. four other teams were <laughs> <laughs> like, "You going to score 42. They scored 42. That's incredible. Stanford
0: just needs to keep the same defense, but get an offense that can score 45 points a game. And, and un- Undefeated in the <laughs> Pac 12. That's amazing. Um, the one thing that I would say is towards the end of the game, it was 35 to uh, 33, and Stanford had the ball. And luckily Stanford either couldn't get any offense going or they turned it over. I don't remember exactly, but UW got the ball pretty short yardage game or pretty short yardage and, um, was able to score. And that kind of put everybody's worries aside. God, I remember cause I was at Korean barbecue while this was happening. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so, so I think that was one of those times where it's like, yeah, it, we finished up nine. You know, it didn't feel close the entire game. Still felt good, except for the last like five minutes of the fourth quarter, where we felt awful because it was like, oh no, it's happening. We're gonna lose when Stanford has the ball with four minutes left and can go down the field. Hmm. And they just, I think it was they turned it over on the fumble or something. And you
1: know, even if they had scored, our offense was looking super sharp that whole yeah. game. Would we get the ball back with a minute and a half left? I believe in this group.
0: Yeah. Um. So all that is to say. I think the Huskies are looking good coming out of the Stanford game. I think the defense, we've seen them be able to turn it on when the, when the situation requires it. Uh, and I think this next USC game is going to be one of those times.
1: Well, yeah. Well, so <laughs> that was a stressful and not very fun two-game easy stretch between Arizona State and Stanford. The good news for the Huskies is that the training wheels are off. And our last four games are against teams that are ranked. Or teams that were ranked in Washington State's case and maybe be ranked again. Um, so, you know, no more messing around. It, if they lose, it's going to be a big problem. And if they win, we don't have to pitter-patter the wins. We can just say, could win. Um, and that is going to be very comforting. USC will be a good game. Uh good test for this defense certainly Mm -hmm. um (laughs) i think i think panics has had this one circled for a while uh i can see a six touchdown game from him this usc defense is oof rough um but caleb williams who knows certainly capable of keeping up you said before that we started recording that uh that usc is projected to win can you elaborate
0: yeah, uh, Matchup Predictor has USC uh, gives USC a 54% chance to win this game versus UW at 46. Um, some stats between Pennix and Williams that, obviously this is a Heisman race a little bit. Um, Pennix with 24 touchdowns and 6 interceptions and almost 3,000 yards, and Williams with 25 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, and almost 2,700 yards. So very close. Pennix has a couple more interceptions, but that uh, if that Arizona State game doesn't happen, you know, Penix is sitting there with, you know, if we go with his average, he's sitting here with 27 touchdowns and four interceptions, and he just looks that much better. Yeah, um, the six picks is tough, but man, the guy can put it in the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Actually, I'm going to go back and look at the Arizona State game just to see how many interceptions he threw, because I feel like he threw 75. But you I believe talking. he threw
1: two picks in the Arizona State game. But either way, I maybe just because of voter voter fatigue as much as anything else. Um
0: You're right, Caleb you Williams
1: two doesn't really have a chance at at the Heisman. Penix is still up there. Um I think we touched on this last week, but um uh, Michigan's QB, I yeah. can't think of his name is currently McCarthy. in the back, McCarthy. And he is a beautiful man, but uh <laughs> I do think they will come down to earth and Penix's statistical uh standpoint will become all the stronger. So I think everything Penix, you playoff standings. It's all sitting there in these last four games, yeah. four games against good ranked opponents that are all ranked at least, I believe 10 spots behind them in the AP. So all games they should win, um, all games they could lose against good opponents. If Penix plays well, they're going to win those games. I firmly believe that If he plays well in all four, they're going to win all four. Um, and if he plays well in all four, I think he wins the Heisman.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with that 100%. Um, say he, he's throwing three touchdowns a game, kind of keeping up his pace previously. Yeah,
1: if we can get three touchdowns per game, two picks over four games, it's his.
0: Yeah, that's it's his to lose there. Yeah, yeah. And I think
1: if that happens, they'll be undefeated and they'll come out of it ranked two or three in the country.
0: Yeah, because um, yeah, is Ohio State ranked number one right now?
1: I believe it's still Georgia.
0: Oh, I thought I saw. It. Maybe it's the the AP, or maybe it's the college football playoff. I saw that they they put that out. It might be um, Michigan
1: too, because Michigan hasn't lost, and I know they were ranked above Ohio State. Yeah.
0: Well, e- either way, those two teams are going to have to play each other: Ohio State and Michigan. Yes. So that's one of them idea. is going to have at least one loss, yeah. and I think they haven't played Penn State either. Or Ohio State played Penn State, but Michigan still has to play them as well. Yes. So, going to be a tough stretch. In that, is that Big Ten? Is that Big Ten or Big Twelve? Big Ten,
1: okay. Big Ten, come on, come on now, dude. I don't know. We're gonna be joining them pretty soon. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Georgia's one, Michigan State two, Ohio State three. Okay.
0: I don't actually like that. I think Ohio State's better than Michigan. But yeah, Oregon's anyways. also
1: back up to six. Yeah. Prop to or- props to Oregon. Man, they're a really good team. I was listening to Ryan Rosillo talk about why he thinks Oregon's a better team than Washington, which, honestly, it's kind of hard to argue with. I mean, considering, Oregon's so good. Yeah, considering some of these poor outings from Dub. Yeah.
0: Um, I think if we had won these last couple of games by, like, 30, oh, yeah. then, we'd, yeah. we'd be of there wouldn't course. be any question. But,
1: yeah, we, there have been some weakness shown. So, good for Oregon. Man, if things go our way... If we can get Michigan to beat Ohio State and then Michigan lose to, to Penn State or something like that, there's a chance we could have two Pac-12 teams in the playoff. We've that would be crazy. It, we've seen it in the SEC several times. Yeah. So, um, that would be very, very, very cool, and it would make the Big Ten really mad, which is a win-win as far as I'm concerned.
0: But you know what would happen if, if those two teams dropped out. They would put Alabama in the, the top four. So
1: That's correct. That is correct. <laughs> Alabama could lose three more games. They'll still fight. <laughs>
0: They Hope will you guys still enjoyed that
1: content. <laughs> They'll find their way to the playoff. Um, that was the sound of me dropping my phone onto my mic. Um, a demon did
0: not attack us. Uh, so let's do a little Sound Up Seattle matchup predictor of our own. The line is currently UW minus three against USC. And the over-under is 77.5. Oh,
1: Jesus Christ.
0: How do you Vegas feel about is those? all
1: over that one. I, I was waiting to pounce on the over-under. 77.5? Yeah. So a 40 to 33 game would be an under. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's insane. So um, I think I like UW minus would, three. I would take them at that number. Um, I think there are three possible outcomes to this game. USC wins close because we are going to score 30 against this team. It's yep. just their defense is so bad. We're going to be up for it. We're going to score 30, but maybe they scored 35. We could mm-hmm. lose close. Uh, we could win close same game, but you know, we pull it out at the end or we could win big. Um, we've seen USC's offense kind of grind to a halt in certain scenarios. They don't have that support at wide receiver. They've had in previous years and, uh, Obviously, our offense is monstrous, so we could win by twenty-five. So I think in two of those three scenarios, a three-point win is is very probable. I like that. I think I have to take the
0: under. Jesus Christ, seventy-seven and a half. Yeah, if USC wins, it's because they win forty-two to forty-one. I guess that would actually put it with the over,
1: but barely. <laughs> barely. <laughs> if they win forty-two thirty-five. It's yeah, we're right there.
0: Yeah, that's that's an under right there. Um, and I think if UW. Does what your your third option where they kind of cream them? Yeah. that's and that's going to be an under as well. Yeah, because so, UW could
1: win forty two to twenty three, twenty four. Yeah. know. that could easily happen. Yeah, and that's an under by like ten points. That's it's just too many points. If it's a fifty fifty game, I won't be surprised. But you can't you can't count on two teams scoring forty.
0: All we're gonna say is don't bet on
1: this game. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably it, probably stay away.
0: When it comes to the actual UW versus USC. How do you feel? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you our rushing leaders real quick. Dylan Johnson for Washington has 87 carries for 430 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, and Lloyd for USC has 99 carries for 766 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, our receiving cores, Adunze has 907 yards and seven touchdowns on 51 receptions. And Washington for USC has 35 receptions, 711 yards and five touchdowns. How do you feel about those numbers and those those other cores besides the quarterbacks?
1: Yeah, obviously, our receivers, it's it's night and day. Um, there's still a chance, a narrow, but there is a chance that Penix is being carried by the talent of our receiving core. Particularly, McMillan's really fallen off the map, this injury. Yeah, is
0: he's, he hasn't played in five weeks. Yeah. Like I don't think he's coming back.
1: Yeah, I don't really know what's going on with him, but um, Polk and Adunze have been so good. And we were talking before the pod... I think Polk might be better than Adunze. I, Adunze is the better NFL prospect for sure. Polk is so shifty. He's got such good hands and he just knows where to be. Um, every time the ball goes to him, just good things happen. So I, obviously, nobody loves Adunze more than me, but I really, really like Jalen Polk. Um, uh, and there's a chance that they are making Penix look better than he is. The opposite is true for USC and not even like their receivers are so mediocre that we feel bad for Caleb Williams, even though he's still having a good year and they're getting numbers. Like there's no question as to how talented their receivers may or may not be. Jordan Addison is light years above either one of those guys.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think- running game
1: wise, I haven't seen enough USC. I like our running game, but it's never, it's never a running game that wins a game. Even when we're averaging eight yards a carry, it seems like. We only carry the ball 16 times. For whatever reason, the way this offense runs, it's nice when our running game is efficient,
0: but it doesn't seem to really matter that much, which is a shame. Yeah, the USC is almost 1,400 rushing yards compared to our just a little above 800 rushing yards um, on the season. It's a tough look for rushing. I think if this game gets down to like who can score and take time off the clock, that's going to be tough because USC, if they get a two-touchdown lead, at any point, I think they can run the ball way better than we can, and our defense hasn't shown the ability to stop them. So I yeah. really think it's going to be important to either match pace with them or take a lead early and kind of hold that um, with our offense instead of – we you know, we don't have the ability to run the ball down the field and take yes. 10 minutes off the clock. Yeah. So.
1: And goodness knows their offense is capable with Caleb to put up two touchdowns on two consecutive drives. Mm-hmm. The only problem with your analysis is that it would imply that our offense fails to score a touchdown yes. on two consecutive drives. Which I just I really struggle to picture again in this game. Um, obviously, anything can happen, and we're being a little bit exaggeratory, but um, this UW offense is still in my mind the best offense in college football when it's running on all cylinders, and the USC defense might be the worst in the Pac twelve. So,
0: yeah. Final score prediction.
1: Final score prediction. I like 42. I like 42. Stanford seems to have an attachment to it. I'll stick with it. Jackie Robinson, maybe. Uh, I will go UW 42, USC 27. Comfortable win.
0: Wow. Okay. I'm going to go UW 49, Ooh. USC 38.
1: 49. How do you even get to 49?
0: Is that just, just one more touchdown? Is maybe. that
1: seven touchdowns? Is seven yeah. times seven 49? Yeah. God, math is amazing. Um, <laughs> I
0: just added seven to your 42.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How do you get to 42? Um, okay, great. I love it. We'll see which one of us is closer. I like that we both have the dogs. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say on you, done before we get into a little NFL?
0: No, one thing before we, we move to the NFL college basketball is starting up really soon here. We are going to have an episode next week where we Ooh, talk a little uh, little gun zag, a little UW breakdown, and yeah, get into that season. That's going to um, be very good. So get excited for that, everybody. I
1: might have, a, might have a special guest for a little little zag discussion, but we'll see.
0: You know how much John likes a little zag special discussion. <laughs> it's Chet Holmgren flying in from Oklahoma City. I can't believe I'm swearing. Chet's going to be
1: on the podcast.
0: <laughs> he, he, I don't think he would fit in our house. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have to get taller roofs. No, Chet's not coming, but... All right, moving
1: on to the NFL. The Seattle Seahawks, uh, the most, uh, criticized, uh, division lead in the NFL right now. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Um, they pulled out a 24 to 20 game against the Cleveland Browns. That is very interesting. We'll both have a lot to say on that. And they are now tied for the division lead with the tiebreaker over the San Francisco 49ers. Do I have that correct?
0: Uh, the Niners have played one more game and lost it, so we are up a half game, basically. I see. Perfect.
1: Perfect. Yes, they're they're five and three. Um, wow. Okay. I guess, yeah, let's start with the game. Uh, an interesting one. Uh, I would like to say a game of two halves. The truth is it was a game of one quarter and yep. then three quarters and then one final drive. Um, about one minute. (laughs) Yes. The Hawks came out guns a blazing and scored 17 points in the first quarter against this Cleveland Browns defense. This touted Cleveland Browns defense that everyone, including me, was calling the best in football. Well, look at that. 17 points in the first quarter. And then, and then the Browns had a talk and (laughs) the defense came out and did not allow a single point until the very end of the game. Controversial PJ Walker pick in Cleveland territory with about a minute, minute and a half left. um, And Seattle went down and scored what would be the game-winning touchdown. Uh, Shout out, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, But, yeah, so it's kind of hard to analyze because, you know, we came out and we punched the best defense in the NFL in the mouth. And then they counterpunched really freaking hard. And it basically put the Seattle offense out of commission until some fortunate circumstance Put them in a position to put away the game, and they did. Um, I monologued.
0: Tell me your no, thoughts. You're good. I think one thing you said controversial. It was controversial because there was like a minute left when it came to that pick, um, and they were throwing the ball. They should have just ran it for a down and then punted, or whatever the situation to, relied on. To
1: clarify, their defense had not allowed a score in two and a half quarters. Yeah, not a field goal in two and a half quarters.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we get the ball on in Brown's territory, and from there are able to score uh, in the, in that final drive. Um, Man, I'm going to say our, so the main thing that we talked about with this Browns team and this Browns defense was their defensive line, defensive front. Mm -hmm. Um, And our, so Gino took one sack for six yards which, which is, is amazing. amazing.
1: Yeah, One of the best games by our offensive line all, all year. He got pressured a lot, yeah. which is part of why we slowed down so
0: much. But the offensive line did a really good job protecting him. Yeah, game. really good job by of the offensive line. And, and I think, he did a good job getting rid of the ball. Exactly. Um, and rushing-wise, we had 114 yards on 17 carries. Um, man, that, that first quarter where we scored 17 points, it feels like we... It was, is the word scripted? We scripted our first two drives or whatever it was, and we were able to get scores on this defense. And then they were like, hey, we can make adjustments. That's kind of what the Browns defense does. And then held us to not scoring, like we said, 40 times now for two and a half quarters. And I think that's a, that's a point of contention where it's like, hey, the Seahawks and Geno can play within a scripted offense, and that's planned. Yes. And so maybe that's something to think about is like, you know, we, we're we going to have to be able to make these adjustments during the game. Our offensive coordinator is not providing good enough adjustments for Gino and for our receivers to, to be able to make these plays. I don't remember the last time we had a receiver break 100 yards.
1: Yeah, I Medcalf's done it this season, but... Um, yeah, but
0: it hasn't been... A, it's been a while.
1: Yeah, and even... yeah, we can talk about the specific receivers and how they played, but it was just... It was just kind of a wonky game. I mean, yeah, we scored on our first possession. It was a beautiful eight-play 80-yard drive. And then Cleveland fumbled, and we took that turnover and, you know, 40 yards for another touchdown. But yeah. it's not like they were two successive 80-yard drives by any means. Yeah. And that was, you know, one more field goal, but that was basically it for a lot of the offense. Um, and things really slowed down. Yeah, Metcalf was not super impressive. He had five receptions for 67 yards on 14 targets. Goodness. Not sure if that says more about him or Gino in terms of not making that connection work. Yeah, Oftentimes when you're watching a football game, you know, even plays that seem obviously wrong on one player or the other, you, know, you don't know how it's prepared. You don't know who is supposed to be where. Uh, Gino had two bad picks. Um, at least one, I believe both of those picks were targeting Metcalf.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the first reaction there is, man, Gino, come on, and... We'll have more to say on that later. But for all we know, Metcalf isn't where he's supposed to be. And he's supposed to be in front of that DB and their timing was off. And sometimes that happens too. So, uh, whoever's fault that lies with, that seems to be the connection that really needs to be worked out. Metcalf was really good to start the year. He slowed down a lot. Lockett stepped up in a big way today, eight for nine for 80 yards and a touchdown.
0: He had a huge game.
1: Love to see from the old man after we put him to bed last week. Um, Sorry, <laughs> Tyler. Uh, I still think you know we can't expect those kind of weeks every week. So I was awful pleased with it. Smith and Jigba kind of receding into that role.
0: I was going to say DK was out last week. Yeah. JSN stepped up into the into the role that we needed him to, yeah.
1: and he's kind of receded back into it. From three think, receptions for thirty six yards. You
0: know, and he only had four targets. Do you think that could be, have to do with DK coming in and being like, "Hey, give me the ball. Let me let me ball out." I mean, they threw it to him fourteen times. He had the most targets. By a mile. I, I that is certainly his mindset. I
1: don't think this offense is like nervous about getting the ball to DK. I think Gino, if anything, just loves him. He's always been Gino's security blanket. And to be fair to Gino, when you're playing the best defense in the NFL, that provides tremendous pressure on the quarterback, you're gonna be looking for your blanket all the time, which is clearly what was happening. That's why DK gets 14 targets yeah. with only five receptions. It's because every time they get hurried, Gino is saying. Oh, let's see if we can get it to DK, and it's just not working out. He's he's rushed, he's hurried. Maybe DK is not where he's supposed to be. He's fresh back, um, but that I think that is what was happening again and again.
0: Yeah, no, I just think I just think JSN has has that potential to be a, a blanket that could get you instead of going for a twenty yard you know, huck downfield, you could get it to JSN for five yards and take it, take a short gain instead of trying to get, Correct. you know, instead of having nine incomplete passes to one player. Correct.
1: Stuff yeah. like that. You should have done a better job spreading the ball out. And, yeah, I guess, yeah, maybe just to close off this particular game, it was a good win. You know, this is the best defense in football, in my opinion, in the Cleveland, yeah. Cleveland Browns. And we put up 24, and 17 of it came in a quarter. But guess what? We'll take our points when we can playing a defense like this. And when we got the ball back and needed to drive 40 yards for a touchdown to take back the lead, it's exactly what we did. So, you know, they did their job, and it wasn't the prettiest thing I've ever seen. Geno looked a little sloppy, but, you know, it was a good win. Yeah. We weren't sure that they were going to win, and they did. And they're 5-2, and two and one of the best teams record-wise in the NFC. Tough schedule uh, coming up. We've talked about it ad nauseum, but... Uh, Ravens next week is going to be a big one. Um, there's been kind of a bigger conversation going on around Geno Smith. Perpetrated by us, certainly, but also by others. And ironically enough, I almost think others have taken it a little bit far. Yeah. Uh, where we have been critical of Geno's play, but we also understand what he brings. Um, and, yeah, it feels like in the Seahawks community there's just a lot of kind of resignation it almost feels like we were excited to give him the extension but everyone was kind of waiting for him to turn back into a pumpkin
0: uh and at the slightest hint of him turning back into a pumpkin at all exactly it's they jumped on it now um you i we can frame this you had an interesting
1: point i'd like to discuss it around uh maybe a former quarterback
0: yeah (laughs) real quick before we do that i just want to shout out zach charbonnet had five carries for 53 yards he's had a really good season so far he's a great great second running back
1: love it love zach charbonnet i have him in my dynasty fantasy football league hold on to him for next year
0: yeah really he's been good and i'm excited for him um so there's been a big discussion that broncos win against the chiefs was a big point of contention in the nfl community about hey patrick mahomes has 16 touchdowns and eight interceptions Russell Wilson has 15 touchdowns and four interceptions. Why are people talking so much crap about Russell Wilson right now? To that I say, Geno Smith has nine touchdowns and six interceptions. John, how do you feel? What, what is that in your mind? What does that make you feel when you hear that? Um,
1: it makes me feel a couple things. Um, one, you have to acknowledge the truth in it, which is that Geno has been turning the ball over too much. Part of that's a factor of the offensive line, but I don't want excuses. He's been turning it over too much. Those two picks today were both big. They both led to points for Cleveland. It's too much. He can't be turning the ball over. He has to be smarter. There are too many weapons on this offense to be turning the ball over on second down. You just can't do it. Um, and that's a smart thing. That's a patience thing. Um, and he just, he has to be better. We saw him last year. We know he can be better. He has to be better. Um, Also a little bit impressed with Russ in terms of the turnovers. That Broncos offense has been bad, um, really, really bad for most of the year. And they have not been putting up points. Um, And Russ's stats can be a little deceptive. We'll talk about that. But in terms of the turnovers, the fact that he's only thrown, what would you say, four or five picks, Mm -hmm. really impressive. Um, Shows that he's... Maybe even being a little too safe sometimes, we can talk about that, but he's not turning the ball over. And when it comes to second and third down, he may throw an incompletion, but he's not throwing it to a defensive back. So, you know, I still like Geno, and there's there's more to it than that. But uh, props to Russ for for getting it in the end zone and not avoiding interceptions.
0: Yeah, I think the discussion there is that Geno Smith is not a – flashy quarterback that's going to throw a ton of touchdowns he's not josh allen he's not patrick mahomes he's not even russell wilson he's a a, I, i want to call him a floor general like he's basically chris paul in terms of he's there to get the ball downfield and we can give it to the running backs and they can close out the game and he's there to just like he's there he's there to not turn the ball over and just be solid with it um and obviously the turnovers like you said are an issue but for somebody whose role is to do that and for a team that's five and two, he's doing exactly what he's been asked. No, no more, no less. He's not playing better than asked, and he's probably not playing as good as he did last year. But no, he's certainly doing, not. He's doing exactly everything that needs to be done to win these games. Um, yeah, I think he's average. He's be, he's you know you think of the top quarterbacks in the league. You think of Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, like all these guys. Gino's probably in that like. 12 to 18 range in terms of the top quarterbacks in the league. But he's so much better than where like, you know, 20 of the other teams are at in their quarterback play because they're all injured or using backup quarterbacks. And it's just like, uh, you, you have to trust that Gino's going to get you where you need to go in this case.
1: Yeah. And yeah, just one last kind of a note on my part. Um, we are seeing a Gino regression. He isn't who he is last year. He's yeah. not throwing the same number of touchdowns. He's not as efficient. He's throwing more picks. To to be expected to a certain degree. Um, I don't think any of us thought that he was capable of doing what he did last year again and again and again. A lot of that is defense has been able to scheme him better after seeing him a year in this offense. And I was just looking at a couple things. I was curious if, uh, you know, Russ, because the Denver has been down so much, had way more attempts or, you know, how are his yards looking in comparison? Him and Gino are basically identical identical in terms of passing yards this year as well as passing attempts this year that means they have been similar levels of efficient uh throwing okay. similar amounts of yards
0: how does completion percentage look for russ
1: i don't have, percentage have that pulled up hand, okay. But okay. it's the same for both of them yeah because they have this or at least the results are the same because yeah. they've basically the same number of attempts for the same number of yards um and then russ has more touchdowns and less picks. I think Russell Wilson is playing better than Geno Smith at quarterback this season. Period. Guess what? That's how it's supposed to work. We got like three first round picks for Russell Wilson and Noah Fant and all this other stuff. That, that's part of the equation. Would, if you're asking me, would I rather have Russell Wilson on this offense this year? Yes, I would. He is not, he is better than Geno Smith right now at quarterback. He is. The results are in. He's playing in a worse offense with far worse—I shouldn't say far worse. Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are talented receivers. They're not the same as DK and Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba and this running game. Um, and he's putting up the same yards, more touchdowns, fewer picks. He's playing better. But if you're asking me, would I rather have Russ or Geno and Devin Witherspoon and a first-round pick in 2024 and a first-round pick in 2026— the answer is, give me that package. Um, Seahawks fans got really excited with the idea that Gino was better than Russ because that turns that trade from a victory into the ultimate coup de grace mm-hmm. where it's like, not only did we get all this stuff for this aging quarterback, but we also got a quarterback who's literally better than him for nothing. That is a huge win. What we're seeing this year is it's probably not reality. Yeah. Russell Wilson's a really good quarterback. We saw it for years. He struggled. He's still struggling to a certain degree. Um, but he's probably a better quarterback than Geno Smith, which is why we didn't have to give up three first-rounders for Geno Smith. That was a big monologue.
0: But No, I mean, it's fair. And it's a fair question. There was a lot of talk last year that we were like, oh, we fleeced yes. the Broncos. And, and, and we
1: still won the trade, but,
0: you know. It's yeah. Russell Wilson's a good player, good quarterback. I think some of some of his touchdowns to interceptions ratio is just circumstance. Like the Broncos haven't played a ton of amazing teams either. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, Gino's stats are probably going to get worse as we hit this tough stretch of, you know, Niners, Eagles, Cowboys. A lot Niners. of good defenses. A lot of good defenses coming up. Baltimore's going to be tough this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but I th- I think we were kind of oh, what's the word we were just kind of assholes to Russell Wilson after he left because we wanted Geno to be better, which I'm yeah, fully Correct. in agreement with you.
1: And because, yeah, there was a lot of baggage with Russ, You know whether or not <laughs> I think Seahawks fans in general were kind of trying to decide, do we actually like Russell Wilson or was he just our quarterback? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people came down on the side that they didn't like him, and when you don't like him, you want him to fail. Yeah. And last year was a failure, but he's playing well this year. He, yeah.
0: He is. Um, All that is to say, I would – personally, if I had to choose between those two people, mm. Geno Smith and Russell Wilson, I would want Gino Smith on this team. Uh, if I had to choose between those two statistical categories, I would want Russell Wilson on my team, but I wouldn't want to know who he was.
1: That's, that's a totally fair point. And Gino, you know, he will do whatever you ask him to do. And if you know, Kenneth Walker played great today. Charbonnet played great today, last weekend, but, um, for some reason, Pete isn't leaning on the running game the no. way he has in years past, which is strange. Cause because Walker was great last year. Yeah, Walker was averaging 8 yards a carry last game, and Charbonnet was averaging 10 yards a carry, and yet they weren't running the ball 30, 40 times. They were throwing it again and again, and Gino threw picks. And what I know about Gino is that if they took the ball out of his hands and put it in Kenneth Walker's hands, he would be the most excited person. He's, mm-hmm. he's a leader in that way. He exactly. doesn't He doesn't need anything the way Russ might. Um, I'm surprised at Pete that he's not leaning on that part of the game more right now. That's always been his strong suit. Um, because Geno is, he's struggling. He, he did what was needed in that Geno, that Geno Smith game, that Cleveland Browns game, but he threw two picks. He can't keep throwing picks. And the fact that he threw the ball 37 times, probably too many. I want to see Geno Smith throwing the ball 25 to 30 times a game. We need to get the running back carries up. And that's not a Geno problem. That's a that's a Pete Carroll issue.
0: Yeah. The offensive scheme really needs to step it up there. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's that's enough on the Seahawks Browns game, and we can kind of get into this this next week. How are we feeling about the Ravens, John? Uh I feel good. You know, I
1: I feel like I don't have a lot to say on it just because we're getting into this stretch that we were talking about, and every game it's the same thing. I what I have to say about the Ravens is the same thing I had to say about the Browns. Their defense is really good. Lamar is going to be a unique challenge for our defense. We aren't going to be favored, nor should we be. Um, I would be pleasantly surprised if the Seahawks won. I think they're going to be able to keep it competitive. Um, but there's a chance the Ravens are like the best team in the AFC. So, um, these next couple weeks, I'm not sure what I'll have to say other than fingers crossed. Let's flip this coin. Uh, Hawks are good. Hawks are good. Uh, you don't get to 5 and 2 without being good. But uh, we'll see if this record holds. We're getting into it just now. It's the Rams next week, and then we're into that four-game grinder. Um, and I'm going to be really curious to see what we look like coming out of it.
0: Yeah. Um, one thing to think about, and we didn't talk about this at all yet, but the trade deadline for the NFL was on Tuesday, you know, Halloween, and the Seahawks picked up a defensive lineman, you know, building, from, building their defense, you know, which is part of their strength, um, and I think they, they traded, what was it, a second-round pick with the Giants for um, Williams. I don't remember what his first name is, but they traded for Williams. And um, I think Leonard I think Williams, Leonard Williams, that's what it was. I knew it started with an L. Um, and I think that was a good move. I think it's going to allow them to create more pressure on the, the opposing quarterbacks, which they've needed to do. Um, and I think especially with this stretch coming up where it's they're facing Lamar, and then they're facing Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts, and Dak Prescott. And I, I mean, I think Matthew Stafford's, I think playing the Rams, he's so. questionable. We'll see. Um, but those three guys are flusterable Af- after this Ravens game, after Lamar, those three guys are definitely people who you can exploit. Jalen Hurts is probably better than Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott. But if you can get to Brock Purdy, I think that that gives you as good a chance as any against the Niners. And it's not like the Seahawks are feeling amazing right now, even though they're leading the NFC West. Yeah. I think that improvement is going to be big. That um, game is going to be huge. It's going to be a big like three week stretch because they play them twice in that three week stretch.
1: Yeah. So those those two games will be very decisive. Yeah, that'll be an interesting balance between what can we do to stymie their offense, and then obviously their defense, particularly that strong defensive front against our offensive line mm-hmm. could be could be pretty devastating. So especially
0: after they just grabbed Chase Young. <sighs> for the Goodness gracious.
1: But uh, yeah. I think I think we just have to wait and see.
0: Yeah. In terms of the Ravens game this weekend, uh the matchup predictor has them gives the Seahawks a little bit over a thirty percent chance to win. The line is currently minus six in favor of the Ravens. Uh the Ravens just beat Arizona by seven. We are exponentially better than Arizona. I think that line's a little too big.
1: Well oh, yeah, but they also beat Detroit by thirty-three, and we're pretty close to Detroit. <laughs> It's hard looking at things week to week. Um Yeah. That I think that line's just about right. Um, I might even you know me. I'd lean on pessimism. I That's think I true. might I might take the Ravens there. I think they know it's a big game. I don't think we're gonna have any answers for Lamar.
0: I think the thing is our quarterbacks are so much better than we get credit for. Like Witherspoon and Wollen have been amazing. But it's our year. linebackers
1: are slow. Our linebackers are slow and he eats linebackers for
0: breakfast. I'm Lamar not saying he's has, gonna throw from three hundred yards, but he could run for a buck fifty. I think that's gonna that's gonna be the big challenge is containing Lamar and making him throw to our good quarterbacks and good safety players. Yeah, that'll be the challenge. Um, yeah, all that is to say, I think if we can keep them to a low scoring game, like in, in that, you know, fourteen to twenty five range. That's going to be a good opportunity for the Seahawks to to win this game. Because I think, you know, I haven't heard much about the Ravens' defense. They win these games because they can score 35 points a game. If our defense can step it up and our offense can get just a little bit better than they have been, I think that gives us a great opportunity to win. Yeah, Geno will be big. Also, don't turn the
1: ball over, Gino. Jesus, obviously, just yeah, one game.
0: Winning the turnover margin is going to be huge. I would huge. love to see
1: one game. It's been like four weeks since she, since Gino has had a game where he didn't throw a pick. Just yeah. don't throw a pick this week. Gosh, that would be so good. So great. So great. Just keep it to our receivers.
0: What I want to see is I'd be happy if he threw a, a pick, but also three touchdowns. Like, I want him to have a game where he's hitting guys when we're in the red zone for for some sort of, like, That's little not what I want. 17-yard it's game. Too much Geno stuff. I want Kenneth Walker to have two touchdowns. And I want thing.
1: Charbonnet to have one.
0: I would love that, but I want kind of the reverse of what you expect. I want them to, you know, run the ball at the field and then, like, do a, do a play action and then pass for, like... 17 yards and get a touchdown you're a madman. i just i just want to see gino play well that's that's kind of where i'm at you and me both um shall we get to value dogs yeah let's let's move just from that into value dogs i think the seahawks ravens game is going to be great and we're excited for it this weekend We hope you enjoy it let's go hawks um this
1: week man i love the value dog picks this week i have two i hate them john yeah
0: they're so bad
1: i've got two that i'm absolutely locked in on and then a couple others i like with that in mind, since you hate them so much, maybe I'll let you go first.
0: Thanks, man. Um, I'm just going to adjust this because that line changed a little bit. Uh, okay, with my first pick of our Week 9... Actually, before we do that, we have to talk about how we did last week.
1: How did we do last week? I don't know how I did.
0: I don't remember. I think I went 1-2. <laughs> or no, no, I went 2-1 because I went the Triple B route and went uh, Bears, who sucked, but then I went, uh, Bengals. Broncos and Bro- Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. You did cover on both. Ends. And so, yeah, I was, I was feeling good about that Broncos game for some reason, but so I felt good. And, um, I think I moved to 500 on the year again. Love to see. <laughs> so don't, don't fade. Don't do anything with my bets. Yeah. And
1: I honestly don't know how I did. I'll have to give you guys a double update next week yeah, when I can we'll, compile them both.
0: We'll give you the information. But in terms of, I did do this math on, Tuesday, while I was working, (laughs) don't tell my work that. Um, the underdogs were, they covered six of six games and they won four of those games. God damn, it just Um, keeps happening. Vegas did have two lines exactly right. There were two lines that were exactly where they bet bet them, um, or where they, they placed them. Anyways, those are just some more stats with my first pick of these week nine value dogs. We are recording on Friday. We can't pick the Titans Steelers game. Not that John was going to do that, but never. Stay away from the stuff. Could, could could cheat and get an extra point there, <laughs> except except the Titans didn't cover. So <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the Rams plus three against the Packers. You rat! Right. That was one of my locks. I figured it was one of yours. Yeah,
1: I uh, love that pick. Uh, th- that's I, I'm sorry.
0: This is your pick. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> I, I had my spiel already. No, I
0: I appreciate that you were locked and loaded with it. Uh, the Rams are better than the Packers, even though Matthew Stafford's questionable. They have better offensive weapons. Uh, I think their defense is better. And the Packers are 2-5 and five now, 2-4. and four. Hmm. Um, Jordan Love's falling apart. Jordan Love's not good. I think the Rams' defense is good enough to prevent him from getting anywhere on the field. And uh, if Matthew Stafford plays, they, they, the Rams should win this game. Um, I think, it, is it in Green Bay? Is that the reason that they... It must be. It must be. Because yeah. otherwise it
1: doesn't make sense. And this is a classic example of that game we saw a couple weeks ago where Trevor Lawrence was questionable. And the line was off. And you say to yourself, okay, if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, this line is about right, and it's about 50-50 coin flip. And if he does play, then the line's completely off, and there's huge value there. Yeah. So you've got to hammer that. Same thing here. If they have a backup quarterback play, they still have Puka and Cup and playmakers on offense, and their defense is solid, and the Packers suck. Plus three? Yes, please. And if Stafford plays, then it should be Rams minus four and a half against the struggling Packers team. And that's a possibility. So, yeah, Rams are an absolute lock at plus three.
0: I really like that one. Yeah. Um, It's all you, man.
1: Okay, with my pick, I guess number two because I also had the Rams. uh, I'm taking the Commanders plus two and a half against the New England Patriots. Um, That was my other lock for the week. People forget week after week how bad this Patriots team is. Let me remind you, they suck. Their defense is solid. Mac Jones is a joke. Their receivers are trash. They can't run the ball. This Commanders team just offloaded Chase Young, and people think they're in full tank mode. Their defense is still really solid, particularly that defensive line. I'm excited to see what they can do to Mac Jones. And the Commanders offense has been, you know, with a couple starts and stops, quite serviceable all year with Sam at quarterback. He's got some talented receivers in McLaurin and uh, Dalton, no, Dotson, Jahan Dotson. Mm-hmm. Um, and their running game is really solid, too, so... I've been going back to that well time and time again with this commander's team. I can't believe that they're underdogs again against another bad team. They've just been winning those games all year. Um, pencil me in for one more.
0: Yeah, the the main reason I didn't take that was because they've kind of sold off on their defensive line, one sure. of their strengths, um, and that worries me. I think. The problem is both of these teams seem like they're going to try and lose. And so that could mean that the Commanders plus two and a half is just a safer bet than the Patriots minus two and a half, you know? That's fair. Um, so I, I like the pick, but there's why I didn't pick it. Um, with my second pick, I am going to take the New York Jets. Ooh, plus three and a half against the Chargers. I was looking at it. And let me just say, the Jets are four and three. The Chargers are three and four or three and five. Three and four. Um, I just, I just don't, I don't like the Chargers. Um, they look good last week, which is why they're minus three and a half
1: here. Yeah. But before that, they've looked awful every single week. So
0: I think the other side of that is the Jets have they're four and three and they've beaten like good teams, but they're so hit or miss with their offense. Um, and I think the Chargers do have the ability to score twenty eight on them. The um, good news
1: for that is this Chargers defense is. In my opinion, and I think a lot of people's, the worst in professional football. Yeah. So if there's ever a game for Zach Wilson to get right, it's this one.
0: It's also in New York. Like, the Chargers are not going to be comfortable in that situation. There's going to be absolutely no Chargers fans there. Wearing scarves underneath um, like, their
1: helmets, just trying to keep
0: warm. Hate yeah. to see it. The over-under is 40 and a half, and if Vegas is anywhere close on that, that means that it's going to be a close game in the probably, you know, High teens, low twenties, and I think the Jets can easily compete with the with the Chargers in that in that field in terms of getting that plus three and a half. Um, I think that's fair, so I'm, I'm in on that. I like it. Uh, with my last pick,
1: with my two locks already in, I was I had a couple games, a couple games where there are two awesome teams playing, and I just want points on an awesome team. You know, it's hard to hard to feel bad in either of those scenarios. So I was looking at Cowboys, Eagles, or Bengals, Bills, and I think I'm going to go with. The Buffalo Bills, plus one and a half against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Cincinnati resurgence is in full force. They've looked great a couple weeks in a row now, and yep. people are all the way back in on them, as they should be. Nobody loves Joe Burrow more than me. Literally nobody. Not more than his mother. Um, the Bills team, though, is still very, very talented on both sides of the ball. Josh Allen is, in my opinion, the MVP of the NFL so far this year. Um It'll be interesting seeing him going up against the Spangles defense. Obviously, a lot of history between these two. Not just the playoffs last year, but the Darma, Darvin Ham injury. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yeah, a lot of bad blood. It's going to be an intense game, exciting game. I just want to pick the underdog here, so I have an excuse to watch the game because I really want to watch it. I think it's anybody's game. Yeah, But if it's anybody's game, give me the points.
0: Yeah, the one concern I have with that is the Bills, as an looking at their team – in total, I don't think they're as good as the Bengals. Like I think Josh Allen is great and plays at an MVP level every year. Um and obviously Diggs is great, but after that, like Gabe Davis is not a great wide receiver too. Like they don't they don't have the pieces at the fringes to make their team better. They have a great couple good good players and then uh they really need to get back to building around that. Um all that is to say, plus one and a half and getting it on them, I, I like it. Nice. Um, with my third and final value dog, I'm going with the Seahawks, baby. Plus six. Can't, can't go wrong with that. Mm. I I am, to be honest, I'm all in on Devin Witherspoon having a touchdown or an interception for a touchdown this week. (laughs) Lamar, Lamar
1: is not scared to give the ball away. Yeah, They're
0: not scared to throw it. And I think this is his prime opportunity to get that rookie of the year, um, Okay, Award. how's this for a little side action?
1: We've talked a lot about that game. I don't think there's a ton to say. Plus six is, is yeah. good value. Yeah. Um, I think Devin Witherspoon gets a fumble recovery for a touchdown. I think sack, fumble, taking it to the house, gets Lamar on the blind side while he's getting ready to scramble, coming off the edge. Um, so let's say if he gets a pick, you win five bucks. If he recovers a fumble, I get five bucks. If he doesn't do either one, it's a push. Okay.
0: If he does both, it's also a push. Yes. <laughs> I like that. Okay. It like gives. I mean, it's way better odds for me. He's a quarterback. Well, yeah, way better odds. <laughs> I just, I, I feel it. I feel it in my bones. Um, right. Yeah, I'm excited about the Seahawks this week. I think it's going to be a great, super fun game to watch. Agreed. Um, and we'll be in Bend to celebrate. So that's you know right. How it is.
1: Yeah, we'll drink away our sorrows. Well, that concludes this session of value dogs. Um, I, due to contractual obligations, actually do not have time to discuss cracking this week.
0: Due to contractual ob- obligations? <laughs> but the good
1: news is there isn't a lot to discuss. So next time we talk about it, we'll just get a little more in-depth. Yeah,
0: they're 1-2 the since we last talked, and yeah. have, well, haven't scored more than two goals. A lot of overtime games. They're staying tight.
1: We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it more later. But, yep. uh, anything else you want to say before we close out?
0: Oh man! Who do
1: we go this week? Goodness gracious! Huge game for UW. Huge game for Seattle.
0: Uh, I'll, I'll take one. You take the other. But after I give the outro, for sure, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you. I'll let you try and guess which one it is, and and you know, do the poll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you enjoyed this episode of Sound of Seattle, please feel free to give us a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts wherever you're listening. Um, you can find SoundUp Seattle on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, all at SoundUp Seattle, all lowercase, all one word. We got a Twitter follower. Yeah, it's, let's go. I'm pretty sure it's a bot, but we got a Twitter follower. <laughs> Stack those bots, baby. Um, you can find SoundUp Seattle uh, at SoundUpSeattle at gmail.com if you want to send us any questions. Also, most of the people that listen to this can text us. That's okay, too. Um... You can find me, Tyler, at tycart 50 everywhere that's important, and you can find John. Man, he's he's got a lot of obligations going on. It sounds like he's not gonna be around. So for many a while. obligations. <laughs> um, and is that it? Do I usually finish with that? Yeah. And as always. Go dogs, baby. Go Huskies, let's go! No love for the Seahawks. <laughs>